1984 is an adaptation of the classic dystopian novel by George Orwell. It stars John Hurt and is a bleak, oppressive vision of the future that's still relevant today. And this review is our first encounter with any version of that story. Welcome everyone to the Atomic Cinema Experiment. I am Peter, and joining me as always is Sister Tara. Greetings, brothers and sisters, citizens. <laughs> <laughs> I think citizen still works in the context of 1984. <laughs> but yes, welcome everyone. It's a sci-fi movie podcast. We get together, we talk about citizens a movie. Citizens of Oceania? Is that where we... Oceania, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we're in 80s season. Uh, we're, we're back to 80s season after a little diversion for a new release. And we're looking at 1984. The version, of course, that came out in 1984, because uh, it is the 80s season. Although I suppose it would be a cheeky thing to do, is be like, we'll do the 50s movie, but we'll... Because it's called 1984, we'll count it. No, no. We're doing, <laughs> we're doing the one starring John Hart and Richard Barton uh, that came out in 84, and uh, obviously 1984 is a story that we've both heard of. It's referenced a lot. Uh, the TV show Big Brother, which originates in the UK, obviously takes its name from this... Uh, there's a few phrases in this that kind of come up. In fact, uh, Room 101 was also a TV show in the UK, which I think takes its name from this. So, you know, there's a lot of, like, cultural things coming from this. People use the phrase Orwellian because George Orwell wrote 1984 to describe certain aspects of dystopian and totalitarian anxiety. Big Brother, Big Brother, yeah. I think comes from this too. That's That's literally what I started with. Oh. It's nice though you're paying attention, Tara. <laughs> did you mention Orwellian? George, George Orwell? I did, yes. I mentioned that too. <laughs> did you listen to a single word I, was I said? Joking. I was just joking. Oh, okay, okay. okay. <laughs> did you mention, did you introduce me? Did you say my name? Like, yes, I did. Yeah, the yeah. 84 version of 84. Yes. <laughs> like, they, they keep bringing up thought crime. Like, that was, like, the opposite of a thought <laughs> crime. That was, like, the no thought crime. <laughs> yeah. That would do very well in that society. <laughs> no thoughts. Yes. Never. So, so we'll, we'll start spoiler-free, as, as we as we always do. We'll give you a warning before we get into spoilers. Because uh, this, this was our first experience with this story, both of us. Neither of us have read the book. Neither of no, us have seen I, a movie. I don't know. I feel like it's a required reading in school, but I I don't know how I... It never came up for me. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, like, I think people... There's a, there's a bunch of books and plays that people think of as, like, every school does them. And every school probably does them, but only certain classes do them because they only have so many books to go out. So if you're in yeah, I, the other class, like, you do something else. I feel like the literature teachers or English teachers are like, I just am tired of doing the same books every year. Let me just switch it up. And it's always the year that lands on me. Yeah, yeah. With something else. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, most Scottish schools will do Macbeth for Shakespeare, but I never did Macbeth. I did everything but Macbeth, it felt like. So... Yeah. Uh, Macbeth. I never did Hamlet, which I thought was weird. Yeah, we, we did, I did do Hamlet, but, like, it just depended on what class you were in, because the other classes... Because there was, like, you know, there was, like, five English classes in my, my year, you know? So... Romeo and Juliet and... Julius Caesar and Macbeth. Those are the three that I did in school. Yeah. Uh, we did Hamlet, Much Ado About Nothing, Merchant of Venice, and I'll always say one more. But I can't remember. Midsummer Night's Dream, maybe? 
Nah, I didn't do that. And my sister did that one, and I thought that was a weird one. But... Anyway, anyway, we're off track here. 1984. Uh, so, <laughs> yes, 1984 is set. Obviously, it was written. It came out in 1949 originally, so it was envisioning this like awful future of 1984. Obviously, we're way past World that. World War Two. Yeah, that, yeah. So we're way past that now, of course. But this is an alternate version of 1984. Uh, there's definitely a lot of influence from this in something like V for Vendetta because it is obviously a very British, like, take on this type of future. Um, but it is this, this world where this totalitarian government are in control, uh, there's constant propaganda, they talk a lot about thought crime, and people aren't allowed to, like, think anything, you know, that they're not supposed to think, and freedom and all that. Um, like, almost every type of story that is set in a world like this you know, has taken inspiration from this. This is kind of the the originator. And obviously, I mean the book more than this movie, obviously, because by the time this movie came out, there would have been this other is examples. an adaptation yeah. of that, yeah. So, but this is very much the originator. You can't, you can't look at, I don't know what... I mean, actually, I don't know. It was the original Fahrenheit, like the book that Fahrenheit 451 is based on, did that come out before 1984? I have no idea. Um, I don't know. It, it probably was around the same time, because even that was about World War Two or post-World War Two, right? I'm going to check. Book burning and stuff like that. Uh, oh, it's four years later. 1953 is when that came out. So it's just a little bit later. Yeah. Uh, and that's Ray Bradbury, who's another big notable sci-fi author, of course. Yeah, probably had inspiration from, from Orwell as well. Plus, like, the constant, like, uh, the big thing about this is also just the constant life under surveillance. Yeah, that's the Big Brother aspect. I mean, in, in the movie, or uh, well, I, I'm going to say in the movie because we watched the movie, obviously. But in in this story, Big Brothers, basically, that's the the like who's in charge. They refer to them as Big Brother, um, and Big Brother is watching. Yeah, yeah um, but they kind of refer to it as almost as if the president, quote unquote, is is Big Brother. Uh, whereas I feel like the way we use Big Brother and we say Big Brother is watching, we just mean Big Brother to mean like government. You know, yeah, just yeah, the body at large of the the people who are spying on is rather than one specific person. But that, well, that... even in, even in this, it doesn't like they always show one person, but it it doesn't feel like that, right? Because whenever you hear somebody, it's not the the person. Like you hear somebody who's in charge of watching, you know, somebody else. Yeah, no, like I I totally believe that it's entirely possible that this real person, if he ever did exist, maybe doesn't exist anymore. But they still mm -hmm. use his image as if he is the one who's at the top of the chain. Kind of thing. There still feels like a controlling party of yeah. some type. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so you know, obviously Fahrenheit, uh, maybe lesser examples, but even something like Equilibrium. You know, there's there's parts of this and that and mm -hmm. other stories like that. Uh, and I'm sure there's other examples that I can't think of, but. Um, these all owe something to 1984. So it was it was interesting to sit down and watch this and sort of like, okay, let's see the originator and see what this does with these ideas and which ones are... Yeah. I mean, even though I never read it or I never saw any adaptations of it, I feel like I... Not, I wasn't, like, surprised by the big <laughs> twists and turns of the film or the no. world even, because, like, the, the whole Orwellian... Um, it's just so part of our zeitgeist and so many people use it, I think, incorrectly, even after after watching this, too, Yeah. on well, what it means. To compare it to Fahrenheit 451 a little bit, without getting any spoiler rate, is that Fahrenheit... Oh, I did read Animal Farm in School, just to throw that out there. So that's the only Orwell book I read. <laughs> okay, okay. 
So I think the comparison I would make to Fahrenheit 451, just at a sort of surface level, is that Fahrenheit 451 focuses more on two specific things that are kind of hinted at in this, but they're more expanded on in that, which is more about taking away art and literature, you know, because you know, the <laughs> book burning is the big part of that, uh, and also the emotion that comes from the art. Um, they're kind of like alluded to in this in the sense that they're kind of like, they're censoring the dictionary so there's less words so people can't express themselves. But it's not specifically going after, you know, we assume they've done that in this, but they never specifically like go out their way to make that a big part of the story. Uh, you know, it's just kind of implied. It does seem to be that the only book that is allowed in this is whatever new version of the dictionary is out. It keeps getting slimmer because they keep censoring more words. Yeah. Yeah, and that is to just virtually just to eliminate it from the the language completely so that people don't know how to even talk about a revolution or yeah that, that. That, that's the end goal the end goal is that i think they say in the movie by 2050 we won't even have conversations anymore we'll just you know we'll say what we need to say and no more and that that will be just how the world works mm-hmm. uh yeah because anything that can lead to a thought crime uh is bad a thought crime being obviously just if you think about doing anything or think about anything that is not in the benefit of the party. That's what they keep talking about, the yeah, party. Yeah, yeah. I like, I mean, I, I feel like there, there's still a lot of language and, and words, like descriptive words in this that are very much uh, like, oh, those are probably be illegal in the future or they're trying to phase mm. those out. But the, um, I think it's his friend that lives in the building with him. Oh, his like, neighbor. Keeps using, yeah. yeah, he keeps using... Uh, double plus or something <laughs> yeah. to describe when something's good. And I'm like, okay, I can see this. Like they, they sprinkle in a little bit to where you're like, it's an odd way of saying that something is good. Yeah. It's, it's almost like because certain words have been banned, this is a new word that's popped up to describe mm-hmm. something. Cause you, you just said, Oh, that's delicious. Or something. Cause he uses it with food a couple times. And yeah. it feels like he's replaced it with this because the other words have went away. <laughs> so now double plus yeah. is what he says. <laughs> yeah. Uh, actually what was your thoughts because uh, on the food scene specifically um, I felt like this was like a stab at saying oh in this horrible regime we don't have real meat but I I, I thought of you thinking eh maybe that's not such a bad <laughs> bad thing in this society I still don't know what it was and it looked disgusting it did look disgusting yeah this did not look good <laughs> the food it, is the beigeous colour of beige I've ever I, seen he said it tastes like meat and it looks like meat I'm like it does not look like meat buddy it, it, like, it doesn't even look like tofu it looks I mean it might look like like whatever hot dog is made out of. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like uh the, the 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 worst block of like artificial something surrounded by like a really disgusting looking white didn't sauce. Look like vegetable either though. <laughs> no, it, it looked like it was made out of rubber. If I was to <laughs> describe a a material to it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh so yeah, so John Hart's character obviously is our main guy. He's he's Winston, and he works at the the Ministry of I can't remember the name of it, but he he's like part of the censorship <laughs> regime, yeah. right? He um like basically he's sent articles and stuff that have either already like been published or are going to be published, and he has to like change it. He has to change it like retroactively. So the first example we get in the movie is that there's an article that says something about how there's going to be 30 grams of chocolate rations and he changes it to be 20 to 25 and it's not like a big change but almost immediately the next day like his neighbor says oh did you hear the rumor we may be getting 25 grams and it's like he's happy about that but 
the the original story was 30 so it's actually worse than it was and that's that's the other thing you notice when you're watching this this movie and i assume it's the same in the original story is they're constantly being told that everything's getting better oh like uh disease is down five percent uh you know just constantly just things like that um yeah just just blurting these things out constantly over uh these mandatory tv screens that are everywhere that as we also see at the start have cameras in them and everyone's being watched uh at all times uh with this really menacing face on them did you kind of feel like um you kind of were you a little reminded of uh oh it's it's a beautiful not beautiful life but the the episode of Twilight Zone where the kid's in charge of everything and everyone has to pretend like everything is the best thing ever. Oh, I can, I can <laughs> see that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. what you said. Crossed my mind. And obviously you've got the whole SS secret police kind of aspect to... Yeah, to, you know, Just yeah. be taken away if you disagree with the, the, the status quo in the party. And obviously the world Someone's that he's in... Someone's always might be, you know... Yeah. Someone you, you think you can trust you say the wrong thing to may turn you in for thought crime or something like that yeah and right at the start you know winston as a character he's keeping a, a diary to write down his thoughts and how much he feels and hates this place even though he's you know playing along with everything um and he's having to do that off in the corner to make sure that like the eyes of big brother can't can't see him do it uh he looks like he's in a prison cell and he's got like a little fake false uh, uh, brick yeah, or whatever yeah. that he can pull out and well, write notes he, into honestly with the exception of when we see like a member of the inner party who are like the higher ups right and they live in kind of a nicer place everywhere looks like it's run down and derelict it looks like just ugly everything's gray it's the most like but they're constantly told that this is all like oh you're all privileged to be a member of this 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 country and this world and being on our side and like we're all doing our part to like help with the war effort because we're at war with uh, eurasia <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, not to be confused with East Asia, which is later on they talk about East Asia. Uh, so like it, it, it was like this idea that everything is shit, but we're telling you it's great and you should feel thankful and privileged that this is what the way things are. Like you know feeds into like what it's saying about government and what, what you know and things are better for the inner party. You know the inner party we see have got privileges, they've got food and stuff that the the poor's don't have. <laughs> they have uh you know other oh, i won't sugar. spoil them yet but there's, there's other things yeah oh, i just said one <laughs> sure i don't think sugar's a spoiler there's one specific that i don't want to spoil um so yeah it's a very bleak film and i guess we've not even gotten to like, if we liked it or not yet so that's uh i suppose to that part of the format the 15 minutes in uh, tara how did you feel about 1984 i really liked it i i thought it was a really um I assume it's a it's a very faith, faithful adaptation because it feels like since it's coming out in 1984 that it should be, and I I bet a lot of literature and English professors are like this is the version to watch. Um, there is a part part of it that I think maybe is a bit too um, I don't know like it's missing a little something, but I I do think the that the message and the world and the acting is really exceptional so. Um, I, I do find that I really enjoyed watching this. Yeah, I think the consensus I got just looking at the, the reception part of the Wikipedia page is that uh, this is the best adaptation and it's a really solid version of it. Uh, but the one thing that maybe 
that they knock against it is that it's still not as good as the source material. You know, it's just that mm-hmm. sort of thing with the book so revered that like it just it can't quite be that, but it's the most interesting and best adaptation. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I can see that. Uh, but as for me, yeah, I, I I liked it. It's a miserable movie. You know, it's a, it's a miserable, yeah. depressing time. Um, and we'll talk about kind of like how it wraps up its story and how that's also part of the misery when we get the spoilers. Yeah, the last like third of the movie is quite devastating. Yeah, but it, I think it's well directed. I think there's a lot of nice little touches in how it is directed and the way it captures. Uh, you know, it, it doesn't spell too many things out for you. It lets you kind of take in the information, and because we actually might have recorded this last week and delayed it. Because um, it was maybe before the last episode, and we recorded it the same day as the, the the next episode, so that's first, and this is second. Look, the point is, is that we wa- I watched it twice, right? So I, I got to I got to see it a second time, and the second time there was little bits of information that made more sense in the first part of it. That at the first time there was so much to take in that I you know I couldn't you know process all of it in the one go. So I, I appreciate that, and I, I think the performance from John Hart is is solid. Uh, same with Richard Burton, who plays O'Brien, who's a member of the Inner Party. Um, this is his last movie too. Is it? I didn't even realize that. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, he was like really sick um, oh, during okay. this film. I did see that. Like, I looked. I glanced at the trivia. Um, I want to say last week when we were going to do it, and it said that he was very sick uh, on set and would mess oh, up his uh, lines all the time and had to be like told his lines as he was saying them well i, I, just, cl- I, I just i can't tell in the in the movie like he comes off great in the film i just clicked on him he died in 1984 so yeah it's uh yeah okay so this probably was his last movie then yeah uh if but not it, then he is great certainly it, one though. of his last uh yeah then maybe he sneak, maybe he sneaked in a little performance and something else after the tech came out later but yeah this is probably his last like proper big role yeah probably uh so uh, and then the other main character we have to mention is julia who's kind of the love interest who which is important because love interest isn't really permitted in this world and that's kind of a big big part of it of course uh so uh she's played by suzanne hamilton who i don't know i i I don't even recognize the name so no but i think she's terrific also in this oh she's yeah she's good in it yeah uh so yeah you've got um a very well-defined world it's very bleak um and i think when you when you deal with a world that is this bleak i think those the direction and the performances and the storytelling have to be exceptional to carry it because if it doesn't work if, if you're not engaged if you're not feeling the attachment to what's going on then you're left with this bleak world that's no fun and so uh you know like which don't get me wrong i'm not saying they should have changed anything because like this may be a bleak story but uh, it, it makes yeah. I think I think it makes a, a challenging thing to adapt and do well mm-hmm. is to capture this tone and atmosphere and not I have. I almost it. wish there was just a slight more budget to it, you know. Oh sure, yeah, yeah. Because uh, I mean, I'm assuming it's a British movie because it's you know it's a it's, it's you know, a story set in the UK. It's a, like an all British cast, pretty much. Yeah. So, I suspect it kind of reminds me of Fahrenheit four five one two. Even when the uh, like the movie, even though that one came out earlier yeah i could i mean i think it's the easiest thing to compare it to there's obviously some similarities in the it, it very much this fear it of looks similar to though i think this the, the fear of this type of government's clearly something of that time because they were both written in a sort of similar time period 
Oh, yeah. I'm sure it's because of, like, Stalin and the rise of communism and stuff like that and those totalitarian <laughs> societies and stuff. And, um, yeah. Uh, that's what I think it comes from. Yeah. And I think there's, two, just and I think there's some government. There's clear Nazi influences as well. So, and it's right after that. Yeah. So, like, there's, there's a, a lot of things in the world that are clearly inspiring this fear of where things could go. It's the extreme end of. And, you know, we're at this place now where, you know, some people, ref you know, compare, like, like, you know, Google keeping track of, like, what you look at to advertise things to you is like, oh, is that the start of Big Brother? Is that, like, the, the eyes watching kind of thing? <laughs> um, and, you know, like, I get the comparison, but it, this is very much like this extreme end of, like, what could be if you let things, you know, slide. And that's the thing is... Like, literally everything in your life was under control of something Yeah. Else. Uh, and... You kind of get the impression in this, like the the viewpoint of whoever's in control, right? Because we never see them; they're just kind of this, like, you know, shadow body of a group behind the scenes. The, the the goal of all of this is just to sort of like control people to such an extent that they don't even realize it's and to fight back against. You know, like, uh, it's it's all very methodical and me meticulous, mm -hmm. um, to the point where. You know, as we said before, like the, the the hope is the angle with the language is that they can't even talk about a revolution in the future because they they just can't comprehend those ideas. Yeah, and it's not. I mean, it's not like far future either. Like eighty four is not too far from when the book was written. No, just over and thirty. So there are people there who remember what it was like before, and have to know that it was better. So the the part that I that really struck me was like, um, you see him, he's like fixing his neighbor's sink. And there's two children like watching a public hanging on TV and the kids like automatically, the son is like automatically accusing him of thought crime. Like you, 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 I know what you are, like you, you're a thought criminal or something like that. And I'm like, oh, like those kids like are born into this world. So that's all that they know. So they think that this is the only thing that's out there. You oh know? yeah. I, I immediately looked at the uniforms and went Hitler youth. That was like the, 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 the first thing that popped it in my head. Yeah. But that's, that's scary, right? Because that's the next generation. So it's yeah. easy to, for for them, if that's all they know, then yeah, this get, is the best there that there can be. Given Not some like flashbacks, else who's older who can remember? Yeah, given some flashbacks we get of uh, John Hart's character, it's clear that the wars that led to this world happened when he was quite young. He was like a child. Yeah. So, in the context of the book, if you know, if, if it's written from the the future of when he wrote the book, uh, Orwell then the the wars that led to all this must have been in like the the, the 50s and the early 50s mm -hmm. early to mid 50s you know that's that seems to be yeah. the, the time scale of it um so yeah you've got these older characters who remember which means you know because o'brien this inner party member who we see in the flashback who kind of like comes and indoctrinates uh, winston into the system he obviously is old enough that he remembers before and I, I wouldn't say kind of what side he's on because the movie the story kind of plays with uh you know you know w w you know is, is he secretly a good guy is he secretly a bad guy like you know what is he but like clearly whatever side he falls on he's from the world from before so either he remembers the world being better and is trying to help like change things back to the way it was or he's someone who's guilty of being part of what set this world up you know he's one of the mm -hmm. two because he existed from before and he was already kind of high ranking. So, um, 
I think those ideas and like thinking about the world fleshing out is interesting. Obviously, most of the movie is very much just in Winston's head, and in the sense that it's following how he's per- perceiving things, how he feels things for someone else, and the fear of being caught, and uh, just just how powerless he feels. I guess would be the best way to describe it, which is part of why the movie's so bleak. Uh, this is not a movie about a guy who like joins a resistance and like ends up being an action hero by the end and starts like taking down the system. Like that's not what this no, movie this is. This continues to be a cautionary tale throughout <laughs> of totalitarianism. Yeah. So yeah, uh, yeah, I suppose we give the spoiler warning so we can get into it cuz like I, I don't know uh Yeah, we're kind of teetering on it yeah. anyway. So. <laughs> what what I will say is that uh apparently there's two versions of the movie that are the same cut of the film but they have different soundtracks because there was like a dispute over like the first soundtrack that was made and the Criterion Blu-ray, not, that's not the way I watched it, but if you get the Criterion Blu-ray, you've got a choice of either soundtrack. Oh, uh, interesting. Is, interesting. is there like a consensus on which one's better? I don't know. I know that the first one that didn't get used to get replaced was more of like a sort of synthy pop kind of sound. Ooh. Yeah, so I, I've got a feeling that we both watched the just the, the regular I one. rented it off of Google. Yeah. I didn't even think to check Criterion. I don't know if it's on, on Criterion's uh, app. No, it's not on it. Yeah, but they, they did a Blu-ray that has both uh, audio options. Uh, that's just something I was reading after I watched the movie. I was like, oh. I'm both upset and glad that it's not on the Criterion app. Because I would have much preferred to watch that version <laughs> <laughs> instead of renting one. Sure. I'd be intrigued to see what that alternate music sounds like. Uh, but Because I think there's like a little bit of it still left in the second version. Uh, that I think most people have seen because there is one bit that sounds a bit synthy but most of it is just kind of traditional uh, orchestra but I would I uh, know that I noticed the score except for like the military like scenes yeah I, w- I would be curious I would be curious to hear the, the alternate version but um, yeah so full spoilers for 1984 uh, from this point on you have been warned so yeah I think we'll talk about the ideas uh rather than going scene by scene. I think that makes more sense with this movie. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, the big thing in the movie is that he becomes smitten with Julia, who who we see staring at him a couple times uh, early on. The opening scene of the movie, of course, is like this assembly they seem to have on a regular basis where all the workers in the area get together and watch a propaganda movie and like all chant and rave and scream uh, traitor at someone they've been told is like a, a criminal and has done something wrong. Obviously, by the end of the movie, we're going to have very different opinions on all these people that we're seeing confess crimes uh, throughout the film. Because it's constantly happening. Every time there's a scene of uh, John Hurt walking through a street, you can just hear someone confessing. Like, mm-hmm. I, you know, I worked with uh, Goldstein. Goldstein is the guy that they say is, like, leading the uh, the thought crime, like, movement. Yeah, like, the rebellion. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I was like, yes, I was corrupted by Goldstein, and I am a pervert, and I went to prostitutes. I spread syphilis intentionally. <laughs> like, what? Yeah. <laughs> That's really specific, but all right. <laughs> well, sex is kind of outlawed. I mean, yes, sex too, is so. outlawed, but, like, saying that you intentionally were trying to spread a disease is, like, a really weird, specific thing. Well, I think, I think well, it's part of the propaganda to make people fear sex. Oh, no, so. no, no, absolutely. Like, I, I'm not criticizing the movie for that line. I, I'm saying that that line was what told me that it was fishy. It's a weird crime, yeah. Like, that, 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 <laughs> that, that line's the hint to me that they're being forced to say a list of things rather than this was actually what the, the criminal was doing, because... 
that's really weird I, and specific. I did notice. Yeah, I did notice it. And I, I was thinking like, that's a weird thing that they are making them admit all their crimes like that. And they're so willing to do it. Like, yes, I'm guilty. Here, here's everything I did. Yeah. That's not something a guilty person would say. Like they would say, not guilty. Yeah. So anyway, John Hart's at this, this thing. And he does hesitate before he starts like chanting with everyone else. So it's sort of get our first hint as an audience that he's, you know, ad- internally not on board, but obviously yeah. has to go through it. Um, and we see Julia staring at him there. We see her staring at him again. Uh, they, you know, they see each other in the cafeteria at one point. They see each other at another thing, um, and then eventually they're walking past each other, like like near, I don't know, some stairs somewhere when he's walking home. Like a tunnel of some yeah. type, yeah. And she has got like a, you know, something wrapped around. She's got like her arms sort of in a sling, mm-hmm. and she drops some stuff. He helped. He picks stuff back up, and she thanks him. But she's past. She just no. She like eats shit. She like literally just falls on her face. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> but she she thanks him, and but she what really happens here? She passes him a note, and when he looks at the note later, when he's at his work, it says, "I love you." And because his work has like a little furnace to like like get rid of all the evidence of all the previous versions of things, he can put it in there. But it just says, "I love you," and it got me thinking that uh, yeah, in a world where no one can actually like you know, date or get to know each other, like, you would just, like, be attracted to someone and go, okay, this is love, because... They're also... Yeah, they may not... They may not have the words anymore to say something a bit more nuanced. True, yeah. They just yeah. go straight to, I love you. I have... That that means I have feelings for you yeah. in this world now. Uh, so, it's also got, like, a place to see her again in the back, right? Uh, and there she gives him more instructions, like, can you get this day off? Come here. And... What's notable is that he keeps, like, whenever he dreams and he's thinking of a better world, he always thinks of this field, this, like, open field of, uh, of just green, right? Because the world that he lives in is so grey, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's all just grey buildings that are all run down. It looks like it's war-torn and poor. Uh, it's, it's what, uh, like, movies always make Eastern Europe look like, I feel like. <laughs> look, I've been to Vladivostok, Russia, I'm sure... Russia has some nice parts, but it is the grayest place I've ever seen, and it reminded me so much of this movie. <laughs> that's that's fair, that's fair. So they so they meet basically out in the woods, right? He's got he got he gets the train, and they meet out in the woods, and she does actually like so they have sex here, right? They have sex in the woods, and she disrobes and the. the I, I joked when I was watching this scene that, hey, it's, it's called 1984. It came out in 1984, but it's hearts in the 70s because that's Phil Bush. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, do you know, it does actually feel like a 70s movie to me. Like, tone-wise, it doesn't feel like an 80s movie. I think it's because it's British. That may be, that may be it, yeah. It may just be because it's British. But it, does, it doesn't feel like an 80s American movie. something about it that has almost like a TV movie quality. But it's got all this nudity, so obviously it's not that. It's got it's got more style as well. It feels directly, like, yeah, it feels stylish, yeah, yeah. and it's how it's directed. But yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. But like the look of it feels like it's a little behind. Yeah. <laughs> um. Sure. Anyway, what was I get to? Yeah. So, like, so she does actually disrobe because because they all wear the <laughs> what. The bush. The bush. Yes. <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm I'm mesmerized by a bush. I, my mind's wandering. Uh, but she disrobes, right? Because they're, they're all wearing these like overalls and very prison-like. You know, I think that's intentional and a design uh, choice. The coveralls, yeah. Uh, and she just kind of opens. She's not wearing any underwear. She's just feeling like. But the reason why I'm bringing this up is that 
before we see it for real, we see it twice because the first time he sees it in front of that that sort of visage of the open field that he's been seeing in his dreams, right? Which he kind of just saw in real life at the edge of the forest. It's kind of like the perfect location, right? With the woman in the middle of it. And then it's like, okay, you know. And he, he obviously he's just sort of dipping his toes in this kind of thing. Uh, there's a scene before this where he, he t- talks about going into the, the, the proletariat, proletariat, the proletarian area i got there yeah. right um and he went to a prost- no help for me he went to a prostitute right and the way it portrays this is something that he felt the urge to do and he, he couldn't resist like the idea of doing it uh but it's definitely presented in this sort of grimy dark kind of like seedy like you know way right where it feels like he was doing something really bad or like this was obviously a more open thing because this is something that julia also wants but yeah. he asks her, you know, have you done this before? And she says hundreds of times, which is a very daunting answer. <laughs> but <laughs> and I wasn't sure if she was being serious. Yeah, I, d- I don't know either. Uh, he says, like, with party members. She goes, oh, yeah, hundreds of times. And like... <laughs> he says party members. She says yes. But he says inner party members. She said, no, I would never do that. And it sounds like she's disgusted by the thought. Yeah, I would never. Because they're like the they're the evil who run this shit. Like, they're the ones who are higher up the food chain. So yeah. she would never do that. Although she admits that other people guess, probably would. Yeah, I guess it, it's... Maybe she is telling the truth. Maybe she doesn't know exactly how many, and she's just like, like oh, yeah, hundreds of times. But, you know, and then he follows up with, I hate purity. You know, and I, I, I like corruption. Like, he's aroused by corruption. So maybe the hundreds of times is, like, a, is a great thing. Oh, for yeah, it's a turn-on, because he's, yeah. he's basically... Like, he doesn't have the words to say, oh, you dirty slut, but that's what he's, that's what he's thinking, <laughs> right? In a good way. He's, he's, he's you know, he's, his, his fantasy's playing out here. No, but it makes sense, though, in this world where everything's deemed corrupt, even just basic sex is corrupt. It makes sense, like, I understood, like, when he's saying this, I didn't take this, he's got a kink for, like, oh, being, like, you know, dirty. No, I, I like, t- she's willing to, like, break the law, yeah. you know? I, I took this just more, he's so oppressed by this world that he's like, no, I want to do the things they're telling me we are not allowed to do. So I love corruption. Mm-hmm. I, I hate this purity bullshit. And, you know. And she is much younger than him also. So. Yeah. It could be like he just needs that confirmation that she's not young and pure. And and not just in like the, the what the government deems is that, but like, oh, no, she's already like someone who is as corrupt as me like because i went and got paid for sex somewhere and she's just giving it out freely this this is a this it's just a a validation that he's not taking someone's purity from someone so much younger than him yeah although given all of her secret messaging it does feel like she is more experienced in all of this you know like Mm -hmm. it feels like this is the sort of thing that she's done at least some times maybe not hundreds of times literally but certainly sometimes before uh Because she's got all this secret messaging and, like, you know, how he, like, talk to him down path. She knows where to go. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he obviously takes this risk by renting this bedroom above, like, a like a, a little, like, sort of antique store. Shop, yeah. Uh, that's in the, the, the proletarian area. Um, and, that, you know, obviously the big twist with this is that the old guy who works here is actually a secret spy and... There's a, a Big Brother TV slash camera behind this painting in the room, so that everything they've done and said has been caught, like on camera, and they've, they've been heard talking, and it was all you know. I, I think this idea because the the old guy in this shop like shows him this room before he, any of this romance stuff really starts, and it's almost like it is meant to be kind of a trap that mm-hmm. maybe all boils down to something as simple as 
because uh, he, he mentions that this guy sold him the journal that he's writing in. You know, he says that you sold me the journal, and it makes me think that that flagged him. So he's like a person of interest to everyone now, like who's looking yeah. for traitors. And uh, we know O'Brien, who's part of the inner party, sort of keeping an eye on him and starting to ask questions later on. He, he never asked for Goldstein's book, though, right? Because that was no. the thing that everyone said is, oh, have you heard about Goldstein and his book? Which may not be, it might not even exist. It probably does. I mean, Goldstein probably doesn't even exist, to no, be honest. No, no, I don't think so. But, like, even use that, oh, if you ask for Goldstein's book and there is a copy. No, it does exist because he says he wrote it, right? Later on. Oh, yeah, yeah. One of the one of the people for the system actually wrote it, yeah. To, to, to basically, to, again, like, perpetrate these lies. To out all the... Yeah, because that, that's why the... Have that's why the big things them. that comes up is that... Uh, there is no rebellion. Like they want to believe there's a rebellion, but they, but like it's just like a facade to. You know what this is? Matrix Revolutions, also. Oh no, Matrix Reloaded. Aye, it's but, the architect, right? But not shit. <laughs> <laughs> but not shit. <laughs> yeah, I get what you said. Yeah, it's basically just again, it's like the idea that part of this whole lie to keep people in line, because obviously the war's also fake. The idea that during wartime you can like force people to like, work under bad conditions, but also make them feel like they're all part of, like, one side so they don't want to rebel. You know, like, it's all, like, orchestrated. In the same way that even the idea for people who are starting to hate this place and want to rebel, the idea that there might be a rebellion almost, like, makes them, like, mess up and reveal because they're hoping to find the rebellion, but instead, no. There is nothing. Goldstein's a lie. Yeah. There is no, like, orchestrated, like, effort kind of thing. But anyway, uh, we'll get into all that. I just like this this whole room thing just felt like a, a bit of an entrapment to me, and um, but they, they, they meet. I didn't, yeah, I didn't think so until it actually the betrayal actually happened. Yeah, they, they meet there multiple times, of course, and they 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 get together, they have sex. She like has found stuff like that the inner party have. She's like got from black market. Maybe other people who are like having a. She gets coffee. She has coffee, she has real bread, real jam, sugar. Sugar. Uh, they're very excited by this. This is like a really boring meal if, you, if you're used to having everything at your fingertips. But Look, I saw what they were served at the yeah. chow line. <laughs> oh, true, oh, true, yes. By that really sad woman that John Hurt seemed to be attracted to. <laughs> it's like, you're a woman. <laughs> I think that was literally it. I think there's like, something about her that he was just like, I don't know why, but I'm attracted. I think there was even a little bit of attraction because you know, there's like he's, he's doing these like mandatory exercises at the start of the movie, and there's like the women on the TV saying, "Hey, you're not doing well enough. Do it like this. You're under forty-five. You should be able to touch your toes." <laughs> well, maybe it's just establishing that he's um, he's horny. So like this woman, this beautiful young woman, is just like, "I love you," and he's like, "Yes, okay." <laughs> this I'm in. Is the gift that I need right now. <laughs> it's not. It's not like anyone has a lot of choices in this world. Let's be honest. Like. Yeah. Finding someone who's willing to break all these rules to like be intimate with you is kind of like a gold mine in this this world. Yeah, I mean it might be a good time to discuss like the uh the women in this world are like literally trained not to have orgasms. Like they're not Okay, okay, hold, <laughs> hold, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's talk about the actual phrase. Because you you've just thrown that out there. The phrase that's brought up in a speech in this movie is and I quote the eradication of the orgasm. Yes. And so sex is not allowed to be pleasurable. Uh, but that's that's not just for the women, though. It's for the men, too, I think. I suppose. I think it's harder <laughs> for that. 
no, no, no. no. If, 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 if it's harder, it means it's working properly. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> I think it means that it's because a sexual act can occur for a woman when it, she doesn't have to have an orgasm. So it, it's it's but it, but the men like that's always going to happen for the men in order to procreate, which is what sex is for now. Just but no, I, I no, I think they're talking about both men and women in the scene with the guys giving the speech to him because. It sounded like they wanted like have no natural births. Everyone's artificially inseminated. It it really sounded like anyone like caught lusting or wanting a family means you'll have loyalty to something that isn't the party. It means you'll yeah. have you'll have priorities that aren't the party, and we don't well, want that. Yeah, they and say that, that later on in the movie too. They're like, love yeah. is just for love of your country or so, love of your party. So that goes equally for men and women. So. Well, I'm not saying that this regime is probably not really sexist. I don't think this is specifically about sexism. I think this is about everyone. I being... didn't get the idea that they were doing any kind of artificial assimilation. I thought it was like, no, we will decide when you have sex. And it's only, it's not for pleasure. It's just for procreation. Oh, no, 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 no. They, they literally say it. Uh, one of the videos that plays okay. at, at one point, uh, they're talking about how 10,000 women have just taken a vow of celibacy uh, because they're dedicated to the party. And just as it's chilling off, it talks about how, like, you know, childbirth will only be through artificial insemination. Like, it, it, it is said at one point. So that's clearly okay. what the goal is. The goal is to eradicate sex. Although, much like The Handmaid's Tale, I bet you the inner party guys are all having orgies behind closed doors. Yeah, with each other. <laughs> with each <Because>. other. <laughs> In a hot tub. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, like the, the, yeah, like that's the idea of the eradication of the orgasm because that's something that you want because it's pleasurable. So we have to eradicate the, the, that desire and completely. Yeah, you can't have love for someone else. You know, something like that. You know, can cause people, even if they don't like like each other before, like in the moment. You know, you love them. <laughs> aye <laughs> one way to put it I suppose uh, but yeah the, the idea that it, lead, it can lead to feelings it can lead to you caring about someone and if you care yeah. about someone because they don't want families like they want to eradicate the family unit as well like they want that gone uh, so and I guess that's one of the smart bits of storytelling here is that we still see parents with kids you know we see the neighbours with the kids but clearly that's like this is a, still something that's transitory in the same way that they're trying to wean out language but they're not there yet it's like okay this is how bad things have already gotten but their end goal is much worse, is to completely remove anything that resembles, like, human life, as we yeah. know it. it it'll be once, the, once the baby is, like, weaned off of the breast, then it'll be belong to the government, or whatever the party is. Yeah, yeah, they'll all just be in, like, uh, youth camps and shit like that. Yes. Learn to do whatever it is they do. And it does make you wonder about the rest of the world, because we know that the, the wars are fake, or at least it's, you know, implied that the wars are just always fake. So it's like... Okay, so what is the rest of the world? Are they all part of the same regime? Is there different regimes? Is this closed off? Like Gilead? Because it's funny that I didn't bring up Handmaid's Tale yet because the fact that it's got like a different name for... I'm assuming the Oceania is the UK, but it could be more than that. It could be part of Europe as well. I, I don't know how big this spreads. But in the same way that in Handmaid's Tale, America's now Gilead. Uh, but in Handmaid's Tale... Like the rest of the world's still there because you know it. It, it talks of you know you you see Canada, you see that you see people escaping and going to Canada for asylum because like Gilead's a shithole, like and things like that. So it does make you wonder, like you know, like is it possible if they swam to France, which people can do? <laughs> that's that's the thing people do. They swim the Channel. 
Uh, like, okay, yeah, not from America. <laughs> not from America, no, 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 no. But in this specifically, because it's in, it's in London. Uh, okay, yeah. You, you can swim to France, in theory. I'm not saying most people can do it, but some people have done it. <laughs> That's true. Uh, like, is France better? If you get to France, uh, are you are you out of this shithole and into like a better society? And was it a woman that did it first? Uh, that sounds swam, true. Swam the English Channel. I think I think people like a bunch of celebrities have done it for charity now, so it's not like a like a super rare thing. But yeah, it may have been. I don't know, but. Uh, yeah, I, I think part of that's also part of the oppression. I, I like that the movie doesn't tell us that because, like, these characters don't know that. Like, John Hurt's character, Winston, doesn't know if there is, like, a like a promised land outside of this world that is a sanctuary, yeah. you know? Because that would yeah. give them hope. That would be like, oh, there's a place we can go if we somehow yeah. escape. It's war out there. Yeah, it's just war. There. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and just when the war with uh, Eurasia is, seems like it's finishing, oh, no! a war with east asia it's just kicked off oh well we've always been at war with east asia what are you talking about yeah yeah that, <laughs> that's, the, that's the funny thing as well that they sort of bring into the movie as it goes on is this idea that um it's not just that they will make up more lies it's like they have to also erase the previous lies as if mm-hmm. like this has always been true and that's like especially insidious because uh, one of the one of the things that uh, john hart writes in his journal right at the start of the movie is um like freedom is is having the freedom to say two plus two equals four, because that's truth, um, and that comes up again later when he's being tortured. That uh, no, if I join, it's very much like it's that Star Trek episode. There are four lights. The four lights. I was thinking <laughs> of the four lights when he was been asked how many fingers he was holding up. I thought that episode was so clever. <laughs> <laughs> it's just nineteen eighty four, Tara. Come on, Star Trek. I didn't know. Bunch of hacks. <laughs> that's the thing. I didn't know that about this movie. So, or yeah. about the story. I mean, I think it's fair to say, especially since it is the number four again, that it's probably a direct inspiration on that Star Trek episode. Oh yeah, for <laughs> sure. There's no denying it, I don't think. Uh, so uh, that, that's a really interesting idea that comes up because we, we see this is the thing is that part of the reason why John Hurt's character is so disillusioned and is, is like obviously seeing the, the falsehood that is there is because his job is literally doctoring things and he's starting to doctor things that he's seeing then be like told to the world so he's you know he replaces someone who is meant to be like a fallen hero with another face and then he sees that face being broadcasted hey this is a fallen hero uh you know so he's seeing the lies being told to everyone and he's aware that it's happening because he's the one yeah. that's doing some of them mm-hmm. so he knows it's all bullshit yeah that's why he's yeah that's why he's one of the people who you know ends up turning yeah uh so one of the interesting ideas that's brought up, so they've, they've been seeing each other in this bedroom uh, for a while, and they're having these romantic, like, get-togethers, and they, they start talking about what happens, because they, they, they both kind of just agree it's inevitable that this will end, that they'll get caught. Like, they, they know it's, like, the, the safest thing to do would be to just stop, but they can't, mm-hmm. right? That's the human nature part of it, is that we can't resist. And need someone. He says that, like, yeah, they'll make us talk, and but he's like he's, that's not betrayal though because of course they can torture us and make us talk but like actually making me not love you that would be betrayal if like if inside i didn't love you anymore that's what betrayal would really be it's not if i if i tell them everything they want to know about you like you'll understand why i did because we, we both live in this world we understand what they're going to do mm-hmm. uh but that's what betrayal would be and that's obviously the big thing that comes up and the, the last third of the movie when he is captured and she's captured and we see him being tortured 
the one thing we're clinging to as an audience is, okay, say whatever they want him to say, but will he still feel it deep down inside? Is, is it still going to be there? And I guess the part of this movie that makes me feel like it is really bleak is that the ending makes it feel like he doesn't like like they, they truly have stamped it out of him and he, not just him also and her too yeah the idea yeah. that all he loves now is the party um because part of me was hoping yeah. that there was he was going to because so i'm skipping over stuff we'll go back to all the torture but like it seems like they've stamped it out of him and they've put him back into the world because they've conditioned him correctly and he's one of these people who are on the screen confessing to his crimes. And that's actually made me laugh in a dark way because the crimes he confesses to, because, okay, the first couple are like, okay, I've went into the dodgy areas. I've had sex with prostitutes. He says these things. And then he's like, um, I betrayed my wife. And I'm like, wife? He didn't have a wife. What are we talking about? And then he's like, oh, I, I gave launch codes or I guided missiles from like the enemy. That's the thing. Like, there are no wives yeah. that we see, right? Because then they would have sex. So, like, maybe they do have wives, but well, the, the wives are not allowed to live with them. The neighbor had a wife, though, because that was... Uh, the, the, was that the one who's sink? The, yeah, I, I think that was the, the same. Yeah, that was the guy's wife. Yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, I thought maybe it was possible that he he did have, like, an assigned wife, but, like, she wasn't allowed to be with him uh, unless they had to procreate for, you know, once, not for pleasure, but just for the <laughs> the... Uh, just for making a baby <laughs> um, I mean they gotta replace the people you know the workers sure sure yeah. oh they need more people like every uh, regime that's in power wants there to be more conception like they want more bodies to like just keep throwing at the problem yeah. uh, so anyway the, the scene at the end when he's like he's back out and he's hearing himself confess to stuff he does like draw in the dust on the table 2 plus 2 equals but he doesn't put the last digit and I was hoping at the very end, even though he was not like, you know, because he sees Julia and they're very cordial and they say, I'm glad they caught us before it was too late and they've, they've fixed us kind of thing. That's the that's the gist of the conversation. Yeah. But they say, she right, says, like, I told them about you. Yeah. But right before, she, right before she leaves, they both say we should see each other again in a very kind of like, you know, again, very cold way. It's like, oh, we should we should see each other again sometime. And she leaves. And I was like, oh, is that the start of a hint that they do both still feel... Like, you know, whatever they've done to them, that deep down they still feel something. And I thought that the, the cap on that would be him, like, finishing the 2 plus 2 equals 4. You know, maybe he'd write in the 4 at the end. But instead he doesn't. He just says, I love you. But he doesn't say it to her. He says it to the, the voice on the screen. He says it to the, the party. He, he loves yeah. Big Brother, right? And he, but he's sort of crying as he says it. So he, he does feel the pain that he's like, this is what's become of him. Uh, you know, on some emotional level, he feels it, and that's when the movie ends. Like that's the that's the bleak ass ending. Like I feel like I never expected him to like get away or like start a rebellion or anything like that. It's not that type of movie. But part of just me, to hold on to the one bit of hope. Yeah, but I I thought maybe he would like uh, like either he would say something or maybe she had written in the dust on the other side, "I love you," to so show that she still cared or something. Like some little thing that said there was still a part of their humanity left in there. But the movie's like, nope, <laughs> it worked. <laughs> the... Yeah, that, that is the darkest part is that yeah. it worked. And it, it worked twice, meaning like if these two can't do it, no one can. Yeah. Uh, so it's like, it, it's very much because a, so, a lot of cautionary tales and movies and, and books and stuff, they'll still give you an ending where they eventually start try and like break out of this bad future or bad like scenario that they're in. This is not that. This is like, no. This is the bad ending, 
we can't let the world go like this because there's no getting out of it once it's there. And this is the yeah. point of the story. Well, part of the point of the story. So, uh, pretty effective though. Oh yeah, I mean, you feel the gut punch when the credits start like playing. You're like, shit, that's that. There's no moment of hope. No little moment nope, of. You, you know how it ends after the credits. Yeah, Trigger pours him the booze and he says, "I love you," and that's the end of the movie. Yeah. The actor who's the waiter in that scene played Trigger on a UK TV show. That's why I called him that. Yeah, I, okay, I didn't know what you were talking about. Yeah, <laughs> like, is that a character I missed? <laughs> Fans of Only Fools and Horses will we'll get the reference, uh, which is few of you because most of you listening are American, but that's fine. It's, it's whatever. Um, yeah, we have to talk about all the torture stuff, though. Uh, yeah, the, the, the conditioning, obviously, the how many fingers am I holding up? It's for, is it for. Like, it's how many I say it is. If I say that we are still at war, if we were always at war with, with East Asia, then we're always at war with East Asia. That's how this works. Uh, it leads to him going to room 101, uh, which is a room where... Obviously, it's designed for each person in mind because he, it's his own worst fear with the rats. And it's his worst fear because we saw in his flashbacks that he found his dead his dead mother being eaten by rats. That's why he's specifically mm-hmm. got a fear of rats so they they put his face up to this cage that's got rats in it and they're going to let the rats eat his face unless he uh, says the right thing uh the right thing turns out to be do that do you know don't do this to me do it to her do it to julia it, it basically has to completely turn in her uh for them to believe that they've, they've successfully conditioned them yeah she's the one that did this to me yeah she's she, a horrible she's, sex pest she's that the she is reason that i'm uh that I betrayed you guys is because I was tricked. Tricked by her. <laughs> and it is really sad, though, because they actually did seem like they were in love. Uh, and, and whatever way you could fall in love in this world, you know? Where... Yeah, the, I mean, the movie really picks up, obviously, with the torture, because it's hard to ignore what you're watching on screen, especially because you just, you watch him, like, deteriorate so much, and you have no idea how long he's been there. Like, he doesn't know. Yeah, I have no idea. And you assume it's been a long time because he gets real messed up. And, uh, like the whole, the, the, the first time that he's, you know, he says he sees four fingers and then he's told that's the wrong answer. And so instead he just says five and then he still gets punished because he's lying. And he says like, I want to see what you, I want to see five, but I don't see it. So, you know, like the whole point is to beat him until he actually does see five. Yeah, one of the things we have to talk about with O'Brien, you know, uh, Richard Burton's character who's administering the torture. So obviously at this point we know he's just a, he's a bad guy, right? Um, obviously he's one of the inner party. He wears the black overall instead of the blue, which uh, tells us that he's higher up. Um, he invites, before he's captured obviously, he invites Winston over to give him a copy of the 10th edition of the dictionary because uh, his last couple of articles in the paper... I've had a couple of words that have actually been removed and it's like, hey, you know, there's a couple of dodgy words in there. You don't have the, oh, you look at the ninth edition. Come over, I'll give you the 10th. And there's a couple of things here that maybe hint uh, that he's actually secretly part of the rebellion. You know, it's kind of this hope that he's actually, you know, because he gives him the dictionary. But, yeah, like he's trying to isolate him from yeah. the rest of the group so he can have a real discussion or something. Yeah, yeah, because he, he, first of all, we see he can turn off his TV that's got all the propaganda on it and like Winston's like, you can turn it off he's like yes we have that privilege and like this is called wine have some wine and and he basically gives him a little speech about how the rebellion is real 
but it's not like an organization like you would think it's more subtle it's all just these individual people acting out and that's what the rebellion is um but he gives him the dictionary and when he looks at the dictionary later it turns out that this has actually secretly got another book inside it like all the pages like split to reveal uh, basically it's like a it's like a book talking about what the party does it's like it's like an honest like almost like an instruction manual for how to run this this regime which is the population has to believe in war so they'll be okay suffering in poverty the population has to believe this they have to believe that and you're thinking oh did he give him this because he's like trying to like open his mind he's trying to wake him up you know mm-hmm. akin to a matrix like hey this is the world you're living in like join the rebellion or is he giving him this to see if he like tries to use it if he like acts out or like will he return it and say this is you know well well, well maybe maybe he's saying will he turn me in will he go to someone else and say hey he handed me this book and it's got all this like uh you know thought crime shit in it <laughs> yeah um but of course he he just reads it to Julia when they're together and it's it's that very night when they you know they're they're together uh that the the voice just starts speaking to them from behind the, the the photo it does i like that in the movie though it it doesn't really doesn't really seem like it's coming from anywhere specifically mm. like it's just a big booming voice that could be coming from anywhere i i do love that when the the, the photo frame falls down though that same face that's been on all the screens the whole movie is just staring at Big them. Brother. It's like, it's there. Right there with the mustache. He's watching it, yeah. And, you know, <laughs> I, I don't think it actually is a Hitler tash, but it's very close to a Hitler tash. I think that's intentional, mm. probably. <laughs> a very, yeah, a very prominent mustache. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I think those moments are captured really well. I, I really like the scenes... Uh, like the scene where he goes to the prostitute early on, I think it's really well shot because it's got this really kind of almost like dark dream quality to it mm-hmm. uh, of him because it's all shot in first person because you don't see him. You just see his perspective. Yeah. Uh, and he, he describes her as having a young face and it was painted and like, but when you get up close to her, you see that she's a lot older than yeah. he's describing. But he likes the paint. He likes the mask and like he likes doing this this dirty thing with um i don't know like uh uh, he describes the makeup on her as a mask that he prefers and uh, i'm trying to reach for what that really translates to but i don't know he likes the that it's devious in a way i guess i I guess you could just i mean you could strip it back further than that and say it's just it's it's expression like ultimately makeup's a form of expression and that's something these people aren't allowed to do yeah because i think on like their second or third meeting in the in the bedroom um he's she like puts a dress on and puts makeup on and it is like a white powder with red lipstick just like the prostitute Mm. had it looks much you know nicer on her but she's She's clearly using it to make herself beautiful. Yeah, it's, Whereas, it's like a nice surprise for him because he's not. She's like turn around and then he turn. You know, he, he turns yeah. back and he's uh like in shock. Like they have this little moment of like pretending to be on a date. Yeah, um, and I think that's the interesting thing is it's like it'd be very easy to have a bunch of the older characters talk about the way things used to be, and. That, that would be fine but the movie doesn't like spell those things out it's like you get from it's this it's too dangerous you, too probably yeah but you get from this very moment that this is the sort of thing they don't have regular dates anymore I mean obviously they don't but the, the fact that this is such a big deal in the moment 
kind of tells you that, you know? You, you get that from the context. So it's it's telling you a lot without over-explaining mm-hmm. anything, which is good. It's a smart storytelling, Yeah, I think. Uh, one thing we have to talk about him, Winston, uh, mentioned the dead mother, but there's a whole element to his flashbacks uh, where he stole chocolate from his sister's hand and he ran away... And then when he came back, they were gone and they were both dead. And that's when O'Brien came in and sort of like recruited them effectively and brought them into mm-hmm. the, the system. Um, so obviously there's the guilt. There's the idea that he took something he wanted um, from someone, which maybe fits into the themes a little bit of, uh, you, know, you know, the system. Maybe he feels guilty that he, he, he saw something he wanted and took it. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. that's why he was sort of like a willing part of this system for so long is because he felt guilty that he took something that he desired. So maybe he agreed for a long time until he sort of woke up, you know, yep. as he grew up that, yeah, maybe we should be restricted and we shouldn't just get what we want. Um, I mean, it led to his mother dying, or at least I don't know if it led to it specifically, but he came back and they were dead. So Yeah, so he associates it at least mm-hmm. himself. Uh, the other thing I really like is um, when he's being tortured later on, there's a couple of moments where O'Brien like appears like next to him in the field, and it's almost like, you know, we're talking about how it's stamping out how he feels for Julia, and how it's like not just because they talk about how oh the one thing they can't take away is what we actually think inside, but that's kind of like what they keep talking about is thought crime. That's what they want but, to do. Yeah, and and he's creeping into the inside. Yeah, like, exactly. His he, moments of happiness in, in his mind are, are being taken over by O'Brien. Yeah, he's literally appearing in those those dream or fantasy sequences. Uh, so to it, the point where he says, I love you. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very good visual representation of them succeeding to, yeah. to do exactly what they said they couldn't do. Uh, yeah. So, and I guess that's the biggest word inside of the movie is like, yeah, we all assume that oh, people can't change how we think, but maybe they can. Like, you know, that's the fear here is that if they get this powerful, can they then control how we think? Mm-hmm. So, and so much of the movie is about that with the propaganda and the, the, the just making up lies and, you know, having everyone in fear. Uh, I really like the scene where he's locked up and like his neighbor comes in. He's also locked up and it's his, his daughter, that, probably one of the same two kids that said he was a thought, you know, a thought criminal. Uh, yeah. oh, my my daughter caught me. Oh, I'm so proud of her. He says <laughs> as he's like, yeah, she sent me to prison. Uh, luckily they can recondition me, bef- you know, before it's too late. Uh, kind of thing. Because uh, yeah, we we see uh, you know, other criminals confessing throughout the movie, and we see that they were in the same bar that Winston's in at the end, and you know, all these little details throughout like i was noting a lot of these little sprinkling of details like the second time especially second moving yeah 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 so uh yeah pretty good it's very bleak you know it's a very it is yeah it's just not a happy experience necessarily bleak though for what it is i think giving you any kind of happy ending is uh would take away from the urgency of the method. I, I think you know. I was expecting a moment of hope, N- not 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 any kind of victory, but just uh, like oh, he still feels something. So that's the one. That's the victory. The bad guys have to win here, unfortunately. Yeah, it's depressing, but I respect it. it. Is. I, I, I respect <laughs> them sticking to their guns. I really do. Because yeah. uh, this is the sort of thing they could have like changed from the book if they really wanted to to just give oh, let's give it a more hopeful ending, but they didn't. They stuck to it. Maybe the American version would do it. <laughs> oh, that's true, yeah. Maybe the, Amer- the American version would have him breaking out of the, the, the torture camp with a machine gun, probably, and 
Oh yeah. But if I mean, Julia, that sounds cool too. He's like Julia. Like, I don't know why I'm doing <laughs> like a. Played by Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. <laughs> I was going for more like Rambo, Stallone, yelling. But yeah, sure. Uh, Arnold. It came too. out in '84. Yeah. I could have been either of them in '84. They're both. They're both. They're both kind of. Uh, and they're and they're peak, right? Well. Yeah, yeah, that's the the McTiernan version. <laughs> uh, but that's that's the great thing about like what what the genre that this in Fahrenheit four five one kind of uh, you know kickstarted. I mean, if they're not the first examples, they're certainly the two that you know made them big. Was this the yeah. idea of the dystopian future? There's but, a little bit of Metropolis in this too, I think. Oh sure, which obviously came out so much before, but. Yeah, that's the new thing. Not only did Metropolis exist before the, it's a movie that existed before the books was written, uh, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh, but no, I, I think that the great thing about like setting this up as a, as a new subgenre, which you know, how often does that happen now, where a new movie like makes a new subgenre? It doesn't happen often. But this is obviously this is early in the days of storytelling, and I'm talking about the books here rather than the movies. But uh, the idea that we've had like more lighthearted versions of this story, we've had more action movie versions, we've had you know, different takes on this type of story, which is why it's okay that 1984 gets to just remain the unrelentingly bleak one, because that's the one that started it, and that's what the vision was. Yeah. Uh, so, um, is it my favourite of this type of story? I'd, I'd have to think about what other dystopian movies, uh, specifically with this type of, like, oppressive system I've yeah. seen to think about, but... um. But but it is, it is good. It is a really solid movie. It's a very, it's a very different type of movie for the eighties because I think eighties I, I associate with more upbeat like uh, entertainment than I do serious dramatic film. But this definitely veers more on that side <laughs> of the spectrum. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, so, um, is there anything else you'd like to add before we? Uh... No, I mean I see why the book is probably a masterpiece though. Sure. I mean, and I, I, I've downloaded it, so I'll be reading it. Oh, <laughs> I'll yeah. be listening to the audio version. Well, I mean, the book, uh, I would assume because it's like, because there's a bit of narration in this, but I assume the book is very much in his head. And mm -hmm. it wouldn't surprise me if it even plays, because if the whole idea of the story is that ultimately his thoughts are going to be manipulated by this regime and he's going to be tortured. So and the narration will change. Yeah, that, you know, I'm thinking the book might play with that because they can do that. Yeah, I mean, even in the movie, we are constantly seeing the world through just his eyes. Yeah, yeah. Just Winston. Like, we, we don't get a, a, a scene with her on her own or anything Never, like no. That. We never cut it's, away, no. Yeah, it's just Winston the whole movie. Yeah. The only time that it feels that we're not with him, but we are still really, is when it's like a crowd watching something. But he's still in the crowd. He's still there. It's just, that's the only time it feels that we're not right up next to him, you know? Yeah. The only time we get a little bit of distance. But, um, yeah. So, no, I'm glad to have finally seen this. I kind of, because it's not like held up in the same high regard that a lot of other sci-fi classics are, like I always kind of assumed it might be a little bit lukewarm. And, well, I, I don't think it's as good as, say, like a, you know, picking a little, you know, like a 2001 or, uh, you know. Yeah, I, I can see this being adapted from a, a literature masterpiece, yeah. but I don't consider this one to be a masterpiece. Yeah, but it's a very good adaptation of, of what the book, I assume yeah, is. Yeah, I suspect so. Because uh, it is well directed, it's got the right tone, good performances, you know, the point that it makes by the end is, is solid. 
So, uh, yeah. It's, it's almost daunting to even like try and dissect something like this because it is like the, the birth of an entire subgenre oh, yeah. of science fiction. I mean, I'm fiction. sure there's so, there's so many themes that we didn't, I don't think we got into. I mean, that's more the on the literature side probably, but I mean, maybe if we had both read it in school, we'd be able to talk a little bit more about that kind of stuff. I mean, I think we tackled some of the bigger sci-fi themes, but yeah, I'm sure those. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure if an English professor's uh, dissecting the novel, there's there's a lot. I'm sure more. they have a whole class on it. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure <laughs> there's like entire like hours of like uh, lectures on things we didn't even talk about for a second. Yeah. Uh, you know, because yeah, one of the things you know we we just kind of casually brushed over, but the idea that, that he could just get on a train and go to a much nicer countryside that seems much more peaceful and like, yeah. You know, can they just hide here? Like, is it possible? Mm-hmm. They're just going to hide in the woods <laughs> and just stay off the grid, effectively? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Like, what what compels them to return? Yeah. Uh, but there you go. That's 1984. I suppose we'll rate the movie then. Uh, Tara, what are you giving the uh, the film? Well, I mean, I did kind of love it, um, but I don't know if I'm... <laughs> I'm not. I don't know if I'm really ready to give it like a really high rating, mm-hmm. even though I I do, I do think it's it's really great. So I'm gonna go eight point five. Yeah, I'm gonna go with a straight eight. I I think it's it's really solid and is 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 pretty great. But I don't. Th- I think I think it's just missing that extra little something that. Um, I I think on some level the and this is probably intentional, but the character is just a little bit distant to me versus other protagonists that i've maybe seen in similar types of stories uh and maybe it's just a lack of hope that you know like i, I guess like early on i'm like this is going to be bleak so i'm not going to like let myself get too emotionally attached to anything because i don't want to be hurt kind yeah. of thing um so i don't know if the lack of a little bit of hope or um maybe something else that like maybe just a little bit more of a budget to give it even uh more of a it's odd though because we do praise bleakness yeah yeah when 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 the movies have like the balls to do it because i think that's also why we rated uh the day the earth caught fire another british movie that's true um, very highly is because we're like we just don't get movies like this from this time period yeah i think yeah there's really just a little extra something that it could have had that would have put it over the edge but um it is very good and i think it's worth seeing if you like sci-fi and um yeah, it definitely feels like necessary reading, maybe not necessary viewing, but it, like for those who don't want to read, this is probably yes. the best version you're going to get. I, I, sus- I suspect so, yes. Uh, and I don't, I don't know that there would be another reason to ad- make an, a- an adaptation that would be, you know, possibly better. But I mean, I, obviously it's it's very appropriate that they did one for the year 1984. It was the but. perfect time to do it, wasn't it? I mean, like, yeah. you know, they got to the year. Like, if they were ever going to remake 2001, they had their chance in 2001, <laughs> and that, now they now know. Now it's just too old. It's too old future. Yeah. Don't do it. Don't do it. Um, remake 2001. You're a monster for even saying that. <laughs> hey, they've remade films they shouldn't have touched, and 2001's also one they shouldn't touch. <laughs> yeah, we should do uh, the Total Recall... Um... Oh. A remake. I mean, we'll it's have. It's not to... a remake, though, right? Isn't it just a? An, it's an adaptation of a Philip K. Dick story, so it's just another adaptation, another version of it, not a remake. Depending on how close they both are to the book, though, it may just feel like a remake anyway. 
Maybe. I don't know. I don't know that Verhoeven ever finishes the books that he's ad- <laughs> adapting. <so. laughs> I'll read the first couple chapters, get a feel for it, and then just make up the rest. I, I'm pretty sure that's what Starship <laughs> Troopers was, yeah. Interesting, okay. Uh, Alright, well that's our thoughts on 1984. Of course, you can let us know what you thought of the movie in the comments. Uh, please do uh, you know, like, subscribe, ding the bell for notifications, all that stuff helps us out a lot. And of course, you can get some bonuses if you go over to patreon.com slash TV. Uh, monthly bonus episodes and then a second monthly show at the five dollar tier called meltdown uh, where we just talk about all the different movies we've been watching uh, throughout the month and give each other a sci-fi movie quiz uh but uh you can go have a check out that uh if you want to uh so please do i will thank our patreon producers for the month so thank you very much to tyler hess and the palaceas david sharp borden christopher moy david brown and al treisman uh thank you to you all for supporting the show and thank you to all our patrons uh and all our viewers thank you uh, but that is uh that is the that is the show. Um next month next month, next week <laughs> not next month. Don't worry, there's an episode. Are we getting next a break? Week. <laughs> next week, uh sticking with the eighties season, we are looking at a, another relative biggie. Uh one that Tara's not seen before, and that is Videodrome. So look forward to that. I've been I've been looking forward to to checking this out since we started Ace. Yeah. And we've done a couple of Cronenberg, I think. Well at least one one David and one Brandon. <laughs> There's a new Brandon Cronenberg. There is. So we will be doing uh, his new film at some point this year. Infinity Pool. Yeah. It got released at different times in the US and the UK, so we didn't have a chance to do it yet. But... Yeah, I think it's in theaters now. Or at least maybe I missed my window. Yeah. So we'll get to that later on. But uh, yeah, so we'll do a David Cronenberg. We'll do a video drone. So... Uh, look forward to that next week uh, hope you had fun with this episode and uh, we'll see you next time so keep watching the sci-fi and computer at Salsa <laughs>